hey everyone, this is uh, Jack from the future, the present, uh, whatever you want to say. But uh, good news, everyone. Malcolm and our lovely editor, Sasha, are going on vacation. Bad news, we will be taking a hiatus after this uh, wonderful Outlaw Star episode. So we will be returning in June. So the month of May will be without this lovely podcast. But you know what? I'm sure uh, you'll you'll find other ways to occupy your time. And, you know, I'll have plenty of ways to uh, not watch anime because I'll get to take a break. So enjoy today's episode. And yeah, we'll see you in June. Hello and welcome to Is This Anime? I'm your anime expert, Jack Metcalf. And I'm the guy who knows nothing about anime, Malcolm McLeod. And joining us is special guest, uh, Jordan Mitchell Love. Hi everybody, uh, nice to be here. Yeah, uh, Jordan uh, joining us like Andrew Parker before him is someone who uh, we just kind of met through f- through this wonderful thing we call the internet. Um, connection through Andrew and Andrew being a connection through my friend Tim who has not guested on yet. Um, so yeah. <laughs> Jordan, uh, why not tell uh, tell the wonderful listeners and also Malcolm and I uh, a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, sure. So um, I actually live in Los Angeles. Uh, I work. My day job is I work in unscripted casting, which is a very fancy way of saying that I work in reality TV. So I have helped cast shows such as like Wipeout, The Cube, um, What the Fit with Kevin Hart. Um, we're currently casting a new show right now called The Final Straw. Um, so a lot of game shows. Uh, I've also done uh, uh, Judge Steve Harvey as well. And uh, that is a very fun, uh, very dynamic, always changing environment. How do you? Uh, but sorry, I, sorry. You said how do you cast Wipeout? Like, how does that? How do how do you find a perfect Wipeout contestant? Um, you find really fun people. Uh, that is, I if you haven't seen Wipeout, for those people who haven't seen, I'm it, a fan of like, Wipeout. That's why. I oh, <laughs> fantastic! So uh, we look for like really fun. En- we we look for like really fun, engaging people who kind of fit the mold. Uh, essentially, when when the higher when the higher ups uh, hire us. They say, we're looking for this specific brand. We're looking for these kinds of people. Go out and find it. And our job is to essentially fill in those gaps. So I'm, uh, so my title is officially uh, associate casting producer. So my job is to essentially go out and uh, be the feet on the ground. Find these people who might be interesting. Find a pair of firefighters. Find a pair of ENT workers. Uh, find a pair of skydivers. And like, but they all have to be fun and engaging. That's the most important part. And they have to fit that realm in the show. Doesn't matter their job or their relationship. If they're fun to watch, that's what matters. Yeah. I guess that one, that is the key to reality TV. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You need to be and, like, and not an actor, but also be comfortable in front of the camera. <laughs> Exactly. And that's like the number one thing I tell these people is like the best way for anyone to get on on any of any show. And this is not just, I think, uh, uh, reality TV, but just acting in general. And if whether you want to be on uh, TV, voiceover work, movies um, or even something like The Bachelor, uh, you should just be yourself because people in this industry, they can sense BS a mile away. So just be yourself and embrace your eccentricities and your weirdness and your fun and who you are, flaws and all, and we'll love it. I worked for, I worked once for a summer on a, as a PA on a on a Canadian reality show uh, called The Audience, and it was it was weird because they had to you know just watching it from that other side, like behind the camera. I was like, yeah, I was really imp- yeah impressed by how they were you know everyone was able to pull it off. 
Yeah, it it's very fascinating because like I'm I'm an actor and like uh and why I moved out to Los Angeles is originally for acting and I still act and I still act. I do I'm getting into voiceover work and I've done stunt work and and emotionally uh and or intellectually you hear these things in classes all the time of being like hey you know if you don't get a if you don't get a role it means that you weren't right for the part like even if you did a great job something else could have happened because there's 10,000 other factors at play and in intellectually as actors and entertainers you understand that but emotionally you don't you go oh my god well yeah i did a really good job but but what if what if i didn't walk in correctly what if i didn't do this what if i didn't do what if i didn't present myself properly and being on the casting side i can tell you no, it's truly not you. There's literally, literally 10,000 reasons why we can't do it. It's been oh, everything. Yeah. Like, I've, I remember once I was reject, uh, I was told by some, uh, a friend of mine told me to audition for a movie, and uh, I was told by him uh, confidentially that I didn't get it. This is years and years and years ago, so I feel free to say it now that they got it because, that I didn't get it because I reminded one of the producers of an ex boyfriend she had. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. And it's just like, all right, like, I can't. I can't do shit about that. No, no, that for sh that's for sure. No, I know when I was uh, auditioning for commercials regularly. Uh, yeah, I got. I got once got a commercial. Like I booked it because of like my height. I'm six five, and they were like, "Oh my god!" And yeah, and what it was is that I was like cleaning a roller coaster, and what they needed was they needed someone when, like, from the perspective of the camera, uh, when they were like cleaning the roller coaster, didn't look. Like they were being swallowed by it because it was like a bigger roller coaster. Like it was this like corkscrew roller coaster. And so you need someone who's like when I stood in like like I guess the cart to like go and like mop it up for the ad, uh, I don't look like out of place. But if you get someone who's, you know, five inches shorter, all of a sudden perspectively it's like, oh, they're being swallowed by this coaster. So exactly. that was that was the wildest one. I didn't I went didn't even audition for it. They like basically took me like straight to the director session. It was like me and like, I think it turned out it was like me and two other guys who were like the same height. And they were just like looking for the look, but also like it, would, it was clear the bar was just like, we need this height and then we're gonna go from there. <laughs> so yeah, basically. Yeah. And it was and like the easiest job I ever booked because I didn't have to do much. Like I just was like, oh, I guess this is what happens. And this was like six months in, <laughs> like I was like, and uh, I was like, this is how they do it. And I was like, no, that's not how they do it. It was just random luck. And that's and that's really lucky because like, you know, and also because of that, you've now forged that relationship very early on, which I think yeah. is really important. So as long as you nurture that relationship, that's also important. Um, yeah. uh, a phrase a phrase that I've told a couple people is, um, you know, you and I've heard it several times myself is like, if you're trying to book, don't try to book the role, book the room. It's like when uh, you go up, it's like when you go uh, for a uh, for uh for a job for a job interview if they don't if you're not quite right for the job that's okay but if you like but if they like you enough they'll bring you in for something else yeah exactly i mean that's yeah that's the other thing i've, like, I've also done covers like once where like i was i was 25 when i auditioned this was a couple of years ago and uh i was doing it was just like i think it was for like uh an ad for i think it was like university of phoenix and like i got the first audition get the call back and then I walk in and the first thing I hear is I hear some producer or director say like, I didn't want someone so young. They needed to be at least in their mid twenties. I was just yeah. like, great. Like I knew it like as soon as that happened. And then I had to go through with the audition. I almost felt like, should I just walk out now? <laughs> like, it's like, I knew I didn't get it at that moment, but you know, you just oh. try because you don't know, like, like you said, exactly. It, you... Maybe this one isn't right, but that if you do a good enough job, they might go like, 
you know, we're doing another commercial. Here's another part, or here's another part in the same commercial. Like it doesn't. You exactly. Know, they. Uh, all- what was it? Um, are you familiar with uh with the show Glee? I am. Okay, so the the uh, character who played Kurt, uh, Chris Colfer. So he auditioned for the ro- he auditioned for uh for the pilot, and I guess they liked him so much, but they just went, "Look, we don't have a part for you." Like literally, he didn't fit any of the roles, and so they created this character for him. And I guess the 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 legend goes is that like they asked him like, "Hey, what did you like? Who do you want?" what do you want your character's name to be? And he chose Kurt because it was his favorite character from the sound of music. So it's like what you said, like if you don't, if someone likes you enough, they'll bring you, they'll bring you back. So the lesson here, kids is, you know, be fucking likable. Pardon my French. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's good advice. I think that's just good advice in general is just be likable. People want to work with people they like. They don't want to be working with like the asshole in the corner. And like, yeah, I do a lot of comedy and yeah, you can definitely tell when people are like, fuck this person, we don't want to work with them. That's most likely the reason why you're not, you know, getting booked onto shows or like you said, getting cast in things. It's just like, if they have to, especially on set, like if they have to hang out with you for, you know, 18 hours a day for, you know, a month, it's like, you got to be likable at some point. Yeah, you have to be. And that just, that's not just being on set. That's just life in general. Just be a nice person. Don't be a dick. Uh, Rule number one, truly of i think anyone's manual for life is just don't be a dick but yeah uh uh and it and it's and it's fun and i and i i think like the the cool part about casting is you is now that i've been doing this for a while i get to look at different mediums and i can observe not only as an actor and a performer you know more like oh what roles would i fit fit for from uh from a theatrical perspective television perspective voice actor perspective but also oh who among the people that i know would be good for this role um and this goes to everything like i find it really really fascinating that uh johnny young bosch like does like does a, is very prolific in the voiceover world um he was i remember watching growing up on power ranger uh watching him when i was growing up uh, watching power rangers and like it's just so cool to watch these people kind of reinvent themselves and kind of and choose these different genres and like even people that you never expect do voiceover work who you'd never believe like mark hamill as the joker what when i first found that out i was just blown away because wait a minute this is luke skywalker we're talking about here and then you've got arguably the most definitive joker at least in the animation oh for sure i mean he was the most definitive joker until heath ledger like i think you can make an argument like jack nicholson was good uh but it wasn't like this defining role for like jack nicholson or it wasn't like a defining character for like the batman series at that point i think it was yeah mark hamill like mark hamill is such an interesting yeah person where he you know especially in the 90s and 2000s kind of goes through this like renaissance is like and you know basically going from like oh that's the guy from star wars who's like not doing much live action to being like the king of like voiceover acting exactly it's it's very wild i love the fact that this is a of uh a podcast about anime and we've all and we've all we've talked about is reality tv and, yeah. mark <laughs> and casting and mark hamill i mean i'm surprised that uh, mark hamill's not uh we yeah isn't in more like some of these anime movies and shows we've covered mark hamill so. was in a ghibli movie he was uh in castle in the sky that's right uh, he was oh yeah castle, we haven't covered it we haven't watched it I gotta say, I think with like the the studio, like Ghibli, Ghibli, however, so many people pronounce it so many different yeah. ways, uh, as I've learned, um, is I think the one thing with those is like that's like the one like studio like in animation or like in anime, the anime world, where they get like a list Hollywood actors all the time. Well, it's, well, it's because Disney owned the rights to them for a long time. That's kind of yep. they handled the distribution. 
Um, I don't think they do the distribution anymore, but yeah, definitely a lot of the, the older Ghibli movies are, are have some pretty high class um, dubs, as we talked about in like our Princess Mind OK episode a million years ago. Oh, I need to, I need to listen to that one because that's my like my favorite Ghibli movie. Um, I do have a funny. There is a voice actor in this who does have a surprising po- post VO career, but we'll get into that uh, when we yeah. talk about her character. And it, it did surprise me. It's pretty fucking dope. Um, but in the meantime, uh, Jordan, I want to talk about your anime experience. So, like, when did you get into anime? How long have you been into it? Because um, certainly, going back and forth with you, my god, man, you uh, when, when you first asked us the shows, you know, you mentioned the obvious ones, Cowboy Bebop, which unfortunately we. we Maybe maybe someday we'll do Cowboy Bebop revisited. Um, but I, you know that we one's off. The movie. We have to, we have done the movie, and we've done the live action ah, ones. I know it's a it's uh, a we'll say it's a great it's a great series. But uh, but wait, uh, so um, my experience with anime growing up. Okay, so um, so I'm I'm 35, and like I remember when Toonami first came on. For those kids in the nineties who watched you're an American Marvel. too. We didn't have Tsunami. We had YTV. Uh, oh, is that what you guys had? Okay. We had YTV, yeah. and we had like the Canadian dub for Dragon Ball Z, uh, which was a bit different. Which was the original dub, and that's a whole other semantics argument. Oh, see, uh, I didn't know that. That is fascinating. Yeah, we had a different intro and everything. If you look up, um, I'll I'll send it to you later on Instagram. Oh. You can- you can see the Canadian intro to Dragon Ball Z, which is quite. Oh, funny. I love this! This makes me so happy now. Um, no, but uh, I I remember like watching like you know Toonami because like I I was that kid who growing up I was uh not a very um the best socially. Um, I was very I was a very awkward kid. I had a lot of energy. Um, but I was always really, really creative. Um, I always like created these really elaborate worlds, um, in my head. I would play these games. Like I would do them. I would play sometimes with, uh, with other kids, but I just create these really elaborate worlds like by myself because, and no one could kind of like figure out my worlds and who could blame them because they were really, really out there. Um, and I remember I got really, I was really attracted to very dark, like American animation. So like one of my first like big introductions to that was Batman the animated series. Um, and it was great and I loved it, but it didn't quite hit hit it for me because everything was kind of contained within this sort this sort of tiny world. And I remember um, I started like renting videos of VHS tapes from from the video store and I would watch some movies like, you know, like uh, like the original Ninja Scroll, um, Ghost in the Shell, uh, Wicked City, which, by the way, as an as an eight, nine, ten year old renting things like Wicked City and Ninja Scroll should never have happened. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, like. My parents just kind of went, oh, this is animated. This looks fun. He's fine with it. And then, yeah, it's, they're very not for adult, for not for kids, like at all. Oh, um, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and, and I remember watching um, uh, uh, Toonami and that was where I think like my, like my interest in anime really started taking off because um, we had things like um, Dragon, uh, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball, uh, Gundam Wing, uh, Voltron, which is a what, which is, that history of that show is really effing wild um and and like cowboy bebop um and just all of these like sort of strange niche things and i and at the time i was this kid living in the rural in like the rural part of vermont like literally my parents live in a village of 565 people like i, I couldn't make these kinds of connections with people and then i saw the, the i saw this animation and i felt like oh goodness this is this is what i've been looking for um and i remember like staying up late and watching like you know all the late stuff when they started coming out with adult swim like then when they came out with like Samurai Champloo, um, Outlaw Star, um, Wolf's Reign, like all these crazy, crazy shows that I was just like, this is so interesting and so wild. What are all, the, where are all these things coming from? 
And that's when I really started to get uh, involved more in in anime. And that's when I started reading. I started reading manga a little later. Um, and uh, and when I was in college, I actually met uh, my best friend uh, uh, Gavin, and he now actually lives over in Tokyo. He's actually lived in Japan since 2014, and um, he speaks Japanese fluently. And he was the one who like really started to show me the the wild stuff of anime and ever since then like um that was when i guess my my taste in anime i guess quote unquote matured um because i really love looking at anime through um through the lenses of when it was published and how it compares to now and how it's aged um because some anime has aged really really well some have not um but also looking at the great at the greater themes within it because um a lot of people just uh a lot of people used to discount anime uh, anime as, oh, it's just, you know, this this crazy stuff from Japan and it's just weird stuff with, you know, girl, you know, jiggly, like uh, jiggle physics and like weird stuff mm -hmm. and, you know, and harem animes and whatever. But and while there is that, while there is that, I personally have found have not found uh, much a lot of uh, uh, genres that have catered to such a wide audience and done so really well. Um, especially now because anime is getting more and more popular globally for both and which is to both to its benefit and to its detriment um and i think that it's just really wonderful that people are now starting to finally realize like like that anime is really very beautiful it can be very and can tell a lot of really incredible stories uh uh any ghibli film you can talk about like um grave of the fireflies is one of my all-time favorites of of ghibli films because even though it is very sad and very depressing but it tells things in a way that you really couldn't do on live action and especially not in the west yeah i completely agree i think that's one of the things that's been uh, so surprising to me like doing this podcast has been like such a the wide variety of things that we've covered like i think for me going in i personally had like you know some preconceived notions of like it's you know every all of this is just going to be like dragon ball z stuff and then i'm going to be like tapping out like five episodes into the podcast being like i can't do this anymore it's all the same and instead what's uh it's shown is like just this wide variety of storytelling um that I just wasn't giving credit for. And like, yeah, there are, you know, some things that it's like, oh yeah, this is clearly like aimed at like a younger audience. But I'm also surprised by all the stuff that's like aimed for like a mature adult audience. Like one of the big discoveries for me on this podcast so far has been, uh, you know, watching the movies of Satoshi Kon. Oh, um, which we did all of them. We did all of them. I'm sorry, we Jordan. did the four, but we haven't done a show. We haven't done. We haven't done a show. The shows. The shows on. The show is on the table for sure. So. Cool. Uh, but I didn't know. I didn't realize uh, how much Aaron Aronofsky has taken. Aaron, from I, actually, I guess. I guess now. I guess now that we can talk about it, I mean, we'll we, we'll bring it up when we do get to Paranoia Agent at some point, or the fact that like I, I, Malcolm, I don't think I you remember this, but Satoshi Kon did work on the JoJo OVAs. So we'll yeah, you do, were mentioning that. Yeah, so those are on the table as well when we when we want to do our deep cuts, especially because JoJo is such an important part of this podcast, which. Is one of my, which is one of my joys, the fact that I made JoJo so integral <laughs> to our podcast. It was um, the prime minister in the podcast. Well, because right. because of our favorite segment, of course, <laughs> uh, because of our favorite segment. Uh, so that's that's JoJo's legacy in the podcast. And so the show we're talking about is Outlaw Star. I have watched the entirety of Outlaw Star. I binged this in the past two weeks. Uh, I also watched two episodes of Angel Links, and I uh, got halfway through one of the manga chapters because uh, I don't think I like the manga of uh, Outlaw Star. 
I, that was... Yeah, that's kind of like I personally have never read the manga, but I that's okay. kind of like the universal claim that I have heard is it's just kind of meh. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the manga technically um, predates the show, but I mean, yes. I mean, w- we might as well get into it. I, I didn't write a full blown history segment. I kind of le- left that to Jordan. Yeah, the, yeah, the manga should predate the show. I think, or wait. Are you saying it came out after, like they did the show, and then they were like, "We should spin this off into a manga." This is this is a very disorganized history segment, but I guess we're officially in it. So the manga <laughs> came out. The manga debuted on September twentieth, nineteen ninety six. The anime came out in nineteen ninety eight. But here's the thing: the manga. There's only three volumes of the manga, and there's also like five other chapters that haven't been collected in a volume. Now, on top of that, there's no English release. There's no official English release of the manga either. Um, and again, my welcome, like 21 chapters is, 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 is a drop in the bucket, especially considering most shows, you know, adapt two chapters an episode. So they're not really doing the same stories. Um, I, think, I think it goes without saying that the definitive version of Outlaw Star is the TV show, straight up. Like, that's the one that people, that's the most easily accepted accessible version it's 26 episodes they're kind of their own separate continuities similar characters but you know and even outlaw star the manga just kind of begins it's it's not really a proper introduction to these characters the relationships already exist so um i think what i can say about the manga is that the first page the first like uh the, the cover of it is melfina uh completely naked and her bush showing so that tells you just uh, what the manga is. It's much hornier. Um, Gene is sleeping with a woman who tits we just straight up see. Um, so that's if you want if you want like the X-rated version of Outlaw Star, uh, feel free to read the manga. But otherwise, I think you're good with the show. Not that the show isn't horny either. The show is very horny. There is a Hot Springs episode that you did not pick. Jordan would have been one of my picks because I think it's very fun. <laughs> I uh, always looking for the horniness, Jack. <laughs> that's what makes anime better than uh, Western media. It's way it of, is, it's, just... it's it's really cool because I I almost chose the Hot Springs episode, which I think is really cool. Um, because it's very interesting. Because like uh, usually, like because there are a lot of Hot Springs episodes in different anime, but uh, what I loved about that episode was it kind of went into some of the lore of outlaw star specifically casters and how they came to be which i remember when i first watched outlaw star uh like uh when it was um in syndication um on tv they actually did not show that episode like at all so i remember when i got the dvds and i remember watching it for the first like watching for the first time at home i was like i was like whoa why is everyone why is everyone in swimwear why why is gene in a speedo what is going why are why are asia's why are asia why is asia naked what is going on here um but it it was kind of cool because I didn't, I, I don't, I don't think of like a lot, like the Hot Springs episodes are usually just fan service, but this one actually had some lore and I really, I actually really did appreciate about it, but it was, it didn't personally make my list. Yeah, no, I mean, again, it, listen, I've, I've seen much, much more hornier Hot Springs episodes. This one is like still very tamed. Yes. Uh, compared we to other anime. We covered a Hot Springs episode on this podcast. Because, so. because, because we're not covering those types of anime, Malcolm. Yeah, <laughs> we're not covering this. Um, different kind of podcast. Different kind of podcast, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, so this show, this series, uh, the manga was created by uh, uh, Takahiko Ito. Um, the anime te- television show is directed by Mitsuru Hongo. Um, this is definitely their big for both of them. This is definitely their biggest credit by far. And um, yeah, 
again, I think I think it goes without saying. Another important thing. I'm just going to double check it before I officially say so. But let's see. I mean, we already know the manga debuted in 1996. Let's get the dates of the most obvious uh, comparison. Oh shit! This does predate Cowboy Bebop uh, by over a year. The anime as well. So yep. that's that's the big elephant in the room. The comparison between this and Cowboy Bebop, of course. And I think if I remember correctly, I think Cowboy Bebop um, came uh, was dubbed earlier than Outlaw Star, and I think that's part. And I think that's part of. I think that's part of why it was kind of like, uh, like it's overlooked. Like I call, like I call, uh, um, in some ways, I kind of compare like Outlaw Star and Cowboy Bebop as like almost two sides, almost two sides of the same coin. Um, I think they have a lot of similarities. I think they have a lot going for them. I think they're both like kind of neo noir, like sort of western. But Cowboy Bebop leans more into the neo noir element, whereas Cowboy, whereas Outlaw Star leans much more into the fantasy sci fi action, and that allows it to create like the, like this much bigger, more grandiose universe, which is in some ways like really cool. And that's why like you don't really see a spinoff of Cowboy Bebop as opposed to like Angel Links, which is a spinoff of of the show. Um, and I think that's I think that it's like really cool, and it it kind of sucks because I wanted, frankly, to see more within this universe. See, I, I mean, again, like we haven't even talked about the initial episodes we're covering, but um, that's the thing. I like the world building in both of them. And, you know, as someone who loves Cowboy Bebop, like you just said, it's more neo-noir. It, it has a very specific year of like the year 2071 or something like that. Um, whereas this is very much more of the, the sci-fi fantasy. And I enjoy both of those aspects. Like, again, it's like this gives me what Cowboy Bebop uh, didn't give me. And they're still equally fun. And, exactly. Uh, I also appreciate, like, this show, for one thing, is a lot more serialized. Like, Cowboy Bebop, it has Vicious, um, who only appears in a couple episodes. Um, there's obviously the episodes of um, Spike and, uh, you know, Faye and Edward joining Spike. But if you, if you were to list the number of, like, quote-unquote serialized episodes in Cowboy Bebop, it's probably uh, under nine. Whereas this is, like, you know, as we saw in these five episodes you picked, Jordan... Uh, plenty of recurring characters and antagonists. Yeah, and like, and I, I love these episodes because um, when when you asked me, oh, only five episodes. I think the most difficult part was t- to me to find enough episodes where you had a, a general through line and a general plot of those of those episodes. So like, so the episodes I chose were, um, uh, I just like were, um, it was uh, episodes episode number three, which is uh, burning into space. It. Uh, it originally aired, I think, in uh, January twenty second, nineteen ninety eight. But it, but what uh, in the U.S. it aired January seventeenth in two thousand one. And so to kind of like uh, so some a couple of the main characters, Gene, uh, 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 Gene and Jim, uh, they end up meeting this like bounty hunter named Hilda, Hot Ice Hilda, and she hires them under a under a pseudonym, and they are trying to get back to this ship, um, the ship that Hilda stole. And we find out that Hilda is basically uh, being chased by these what are called K pirates, which are essentially pirates with magical ta- with Tau magic, um, and also outlaws and bounty outlaws, which are essentially in this universe bounty hunters. So um, they end up uh, uh, so scene uh, so episode three picks up where they defeat some of these bounty hunters, and then they uh, end up going into uh, and uh, when they end up blah, 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 after they escape, they jump into Hilda's ship to go get this ship that she stole, and they end up uh, going against a uh, Katarl Katarl ship and playing a game of chicken, which is yeah, and like, and I I love these episodes because um when when you asked me oh only five episodes I think the most difficult part was 
to me to find enough episodes where you had a, a general through line and a general plot of those of those episodes so like so the episodes i chose were um uh i just like were um it was uh episodes episode number three which is uh burning into space it uh it originally aired i think in uh january 22nd 1998 but it, but what uh in the u.s it aired january 17th in 2001 and so to kind of like uh so some a couple of the main characters uh gene uh uh gene and jim uh, they end up meeting this like bounty hunter named Hilda, Hot Ice Hilda, and she hires them under a under a pseudonym, and they are trying to get back to this ship, um, the ship that Hilda stole. And we find out that Hilda is basically uh, being chased by these what are called K pirates, which are essentially pirates with magical ta- with Tau magic, um, and also outlaws and bounty outlaws, which are essentially in this universe bounty hunters. So um, they end up uh, uh, so. Scene, uh, so episode three picks up where they defeat some of these bounty hunters and then they uh, end up going into uh, and uh, when they end up da, 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 after they escape, they jump into Hilda's ship to go get this ship that she stole and they end up uh, going against a uh, Katarl Katarl ship and playing a game of chicken, which is uh, where one of our main characters, uh, Asia Clan Clan, is introduced and they end up basically kind of serving like serving her uh, uh, basically like humiliating her. Because in, because uh, in that in the in the uh, Katara Katara world, they're basically just like honor is everything, and you have to be very aggressive. And because they didn't know that Hilda was on the ship, Aisha is just humiliated, which we find at a later point. Um, so then uh, they end up re- meeting up at they they end up uh, escaping from these K pirates, and then that leads us into the next episode I chose, which was um, when the hot ice melts. It's episode number four, and I chose these two specifically because I think it really sets up the world really well, and it's a great introduction into this anime if you want to get into it more. Um, so that one, uh, when the hot ice melts, it uh, aired tw- uh, January twenty ninth, uh, nineteen ninety eight, um, but in the West, it premiered on January eighteenth, two thousand one, and uh, Hilda's ship ends up going to this place called Farfalis, and they end up getting this, the ship, which is called the XGP-15A-2, which is a ship that was uh, designed with the K-Pirates and the Space Forces. So in this world, there's, uh, in this world, the three main powers are K-Pirates, Space Forces, which are generally the police, and the outlaws. And the fact that two of these peop- two of these uh, major powers came together to make this spaceship is incredible is incredible and also very very ins- and very very bad and would look very bad on i on any of them if they found out that they were working together um and what ends up happening is uh hilda tries to make sure that they are that they escape that uh that the out that the uh, xgp escapes with uh gene with jim and this mysterious bio android that uh, Hilda also kidnapped named Melfina, who can integrate with the ship. And when she integrates with the ship and basically becomes the uh, the ship's navigation, she is naked, which makes sense for the manga, uh, uh, for the manga yeah. cover. Um, well, and, she's uh, like what in the yeah, she's integrated with the ship at that point. Yeah. So you find and you find out later on that like that basically that's how the ship mainly operates. Most ships, I guess, with the artificial intelligence in this, in this system, they can operate the ship, they can navigate, but this one cannot. Um, yeah, because she's not like she's not fully human. I remember what is it? Was it Harry McDougal? Which is a yes. name that stood out to me. Like I was like, and, and Malcolm, was, Malcolm, what is the uh, what is the other McDougal's brother's name? Ronald McDougal. Ronald, yeah, Ronald. 
<laughs> I like that. I was like, Mick, Mick what? Mick what, eh? Um, <laughs> once once I once I figured out uh, that I was like I, I had a good laugh. Um, Malcolm, yeah, Malcolm. I just want to get sorry uh, before I forget. I mean, Malcolm is Ronald better than Vicious? He fucking is, right? Yeah, he's. I hate. I hate Vicious, and, and it's not because really? of, like he's a bad guy. I just think like I don't know his storyline. Just like for me, like it's the one part of Cowboy Bebop that I felt like was really underdeveloped. Like I always just felt like they wanted Vicious to matter more than he does like in the world like even though like the final battle is so great and i love that it was just like all the points before that just felt like why is he here i don't really care about him like i i just like i found his scenes to be kind of boring and like i i think harry is better because there's like a little bit more of this like personal like sinister edge um with him um but at the same time i was just like Ah, uh, like, like it's sorry, not uh, I what I said. I'm uh, all right. I let me get my thoughts together. No, we were, we, I, was just, I mean, Harry's creepy, he's creepy, Harry, yeah. Harry's he's and he's creepy in, a, in like a way that's like that works, like it's just, just enough where it's like, no, we can do this together. Like, I love like his whole thing of like basically being like, I'm a nice guy, and then like when she's like, I don't want to do this with you, he just like slaps her. Like this is like kind of I think in episode four or the fourth episode of what we watched. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. just that that's turn. A, like it's like those quick turns with a character that I just uh, he he's I very sociopathic. Like he's very yeah. like he's very much he can just he can just change on a dime. And that to me, I remember when I watched uh, because I I uh, when I I remember watching it when I was younger and just being like God. Harry is such a whiny little dick. Like he's just such he's like a, just a bratty like younger brother. But then uh, when I, because uh, I re I re I uh, rewatched this for the podcast, and watching Harry, I went, oh yeah, he's really bratty, but there's also this real air of like sinisterism and like really like it's not uh, the old because Harry is the younger McDougal brother, but Ro and Ron is the uh, Ronald McDougal is the older one, and I used to think that Ron McDougal, the older one, was the more terrifying, but I really realized it's Harry because Harry's just a complete wild card. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, Harry, I mean, Harry's got, you know, you'd call him an incel now. I mean, that's what Harry has. <laughs> He's got the incel vibe. Um, but no, I think like Ronald's a fun character. And again, like you picked, I mean, again, the way you, the way you pick these episodes, I found very interesting because, you know, I have watched the show. So of course, um, one of the fun things was me being like, oh, which ones are you going to pick here? Um, and I've get, and also, you know, you didn't even mention, you didn't even pick the first two. And I was like, oh, of course he's going to pick the first two episodes and you didn't. Um, but I think it still worked. I don't know about you, Malcolm, but did you feel like you were able to still jump into the show perfectly fine? Yeah. I mean, there's probably like a couple of small details, like in terms of like truly introducing like, you know, yeah. Jean and Jim and, um, uh, Melfina and even, I guess, uh, Twilight, um, and the kid, who's which one's the kid's name again? That was the Jim. one that, Jim. that is Jim. Yeah, I was right. Um, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> um, yeah, like there took a you know, it takes a little second to get used to it, but I also felt like it's you know, it's funny enough. Like, if you're gonna compare it to Cowboy Bebop, like Cowboy Bebop doesn't really get going until like the third episode, really. Like, right. it's like you know, until they get Faye into the mix, it's sort of like you know, a slower progression and then it builds so. I feel like maybe it's similar here. Obviously, I didn't watch the first two episodes. I jumped in right at number three, but I didn't like feel too lost. 
Oh, um, good. Yay. Because I actually chose that specifically specifically for that reason, because I, I, I like the first two episodes, but I agree with you that I think that they were a little slow in, in kind of building the world. And I think you can still, with three and four, get a pretty good sense of the world building without getting too lost. So yay, that makes me happy. Yeah, because I've definitely been there where there's been some times where I've covered some shows in here, like, and I'm just like, what's happening? What's going on? Like early episodes of this podcast, if you listen to it, you'll just be like me confused, but also like, you know, I was uh, truly anime illiterate at that point. So now I, I also, you know, kind of understand the tropes more uh, as I've get gotten further down this, uh, this through this tunnel or whatever. Um, yeah, but yeah, for for this, it's it's an interesting world because, like, I, I I feel like it is so natural just to compare this to Cowboy Bebop. But like, if Cowboy Bebop, in my opinion, is more of a western, like this does feel more like a pirate show. Like this yeah. feels. Like if the, the this feels like a swashbuckling kind of adventure show on some level, yeah, and More it had so than than like what Cowboy was doing, yeah, and it's it's so it, it even in some of the environments like in a couple of the other epi- in a couple of the other episodes. So um, uh, I I there are aspects of this that I actually really, really that I like a lot more than Cowboy Be- that I like a lot more than yeah. Cowboy Bebop. Um, I I love the fact that. I it, to a certain extent I feel these characters are a lot more fleshed out. My um and I loved the the protagonist. Um uh Ma- Malcolm you brought up the fact that like that um Vicious like doesn't real in Cowboy Bebop doesn't really have a purpose or you didn't feel very connected to him. Whereas like with the McDougal brothers in Outlaw Star, I felt much more connected to them and like oh, these guys are an actual threat. Um these guys yeah. are actually involved with these people and that alone for me made uh, a lot of my choices for this like a lot uh, a lot easy a lot easier and, and easier to watch because when i chose these episodes i kind of stayed with the um the gene star the gene starwind mel uh gene starwind and the uh mcdougal and mcdougal brothers uh sort of uh, uh parallel yeah i think that's a fair i mean it's a fair parallel um to make just yeah because i think with like vicious it's sort of like they you know him and uh like he's like oh in the gang uh that spikes in and like that's why he's like after spike is like because of this like old tie but it just like feels so weak because it's like been so long and you're just like kind of give it up bro like this isn't worth it he's off you know doing bounties like you can go and like live your life but here it's like you know there are you know a little bit more of a personal angle and i think and I, I think also, that it works for like this kind of like pirate show where it's like you know kind of people working sort of are like against each other sort of in these parallel tracks kind of you know in some ways trying to go for the same you know go for the same thing like i kind of think of like treasure island because like obviously there's like a character jim hawking uh the little boy and like if you remember in treasure island the classic novel uh yep. the lead character's name is uh jim hawking and so I that's why that. i like, so, thought boom. about like the treasure island comparison it's like it's like they have the same name <laughs> like, so that's, up on that yeah um it took me a second because when i saw it i was like huh wait is this supposed to be on purpose or is this like i'm you know definitely on purpose but yeah it is definitely on purpose i can definitely you definitely feel Um, it yeah i mean that's the thing this this series for one thing as opposed to bebop like i said it is more serialized there is a stronger narrative there is again you pick these episodes where they're always talking about the galactic ley line um yeah so yeah, I, it's inter- and it's funny. Um, again, I think had I picked these episodes, I probably would have picked the more standalone ones. I think my favorite, my favorite episode, maybe the series, was probably the third one you picked. 
um, which was 15? the, the yeah, fifteen, the dual episode. I thought yeah. that that one's fucking awesome. And I, I when I watched that one, I'm like, he's probably gonna pick it. And I was right. That was the one thing I was right about. It it is it is such a good ep- what is it called? It's called the Seven Emergent. Like that's that's yeah. when we find out more about like the K Pirates and there's like this ultimate group called like the Anten Seven. And like the seventh member, uh, and uh, led by like Lord Hazanko, and basically they are all saying because Gene now has this incredible ship, um, they and the XGP, which they've now linked the Outlaw Star. Hey, there's the title. Um, <laughs> they they uh, they are now starting to send the Anten Seven uh, towards Gene and his crew to kill him. And so this character Shimi comes up and you know challenges him to a duel. Finds out that he's horribly outmatched. And um, then uh, Gene basically kind of drowns his sorrows in a bar, meets this guy named Leilong, um, and they kind of get a lot. They kind of get along a little bit. The following day, um, like G- uh, Gene does, uh, battles who he thinks is Shimi, ends up killing him, and then finds out that she that actually Leilong, the guy who he met at the bar, is the actual Shimi. Um, he just killed uh, it, the person he just killed was a, was a red herring, was one of his pupils. And I love this scene because. Up to this point, we see people. We know Gene is a very good fighter, and we know, um, and we know Jim is very competent and smart. We know Asia is very strong, and we know that Twilight Suzuka is an incredibly powerful assassin. In one of my honorable mention episodes, she chops a truck in half with a boken, which is a wooden sword, without harming anybody. I mean, like to say that these people are powerful is amazing, and Shimi just. just decimates all of them and i loved that it was so cool to see how awesome like how awesome the Anten seven were and even like when when spoiler alert when when shimi actually gets defeated it's not because gene is good because they did an old-fashioned uh uh uh, duel where they shot a bullet at each other um his shimi's gun uh jammed and it backfired on him but they find out that he actually did that on purpose. He did it to actually get away from the from the Anten Seven, from the K Pirates, and he decides to become an outlaw. So it's kind of amazing to watch like that episode. And there were so many twists and turns about it, and I love the character development of Jean and Melfina as well in this episode. Um, it was kind of disturbing to watch at one point because uh, like you saw like Jean really freak out and just kind of panic and he does things that i never had seen people do in like in a mainstream anime like he tried to get you know melfina to kiss him and kind of like f- tried to force himself on him and like that it's like but he does that because he like doesn't know what else to do and and things like that and it was really interesting to watch where that was coming from because it's it's watching this guy floundering and trying to figure out like what to do when you're faced with death um and he's realizing like, wow, I'm kind of a shitty human being. And I think that, that, that this episode is kind of a turning point because I think Gene realizes that, oh, I actually need to become a better person because after this, he becomes a much different character, I think. Great way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's true. I mean, I guess it's a, the other thing is like remembering like, you know, I for me, I'm always like, I don't know if these characters are, you know, 18 years old or 40 years old based on like competency levels and all the rest of it. But it's like, yeah, there's like an element of growth that you just, I feel like, especially at that point, like, this is where, like, I feel like anime was so much ahead of the curve. Like, obviously, this show was being produced in the 90s, late 90s, where it's, like, in television, especially, like, character development wasn't really a thing, like, in, especially in Western programming. Like, you look at, like, you know, just kind of, like, any show out there. It's, like, the big hits were, like, 
ER and Law and Order. And it's like those shows are just like weekly procedurals in which like the characters kind of stay the same, but the cases like, you know, whether it's like the medical case of the week or like the murder of the week, you know, those change. And it's like here, it's like you're starting to see the seeds of like, oh, some nuance and like and growth, which I feel like is always good. Um, obviously, like I'm, I'm a fan of that, like of serialized storytelling, because it means like I, at least in me as a viewer, I want to be engaged. I want to be, I'm curious. I want to like get into this more, and that's why I was like, all right, this is sucking me in a little bit more. Because I early on in like the first episode, I was like, uh oh, like am I gonna like this? Like I didn't know. Uh, but I think as it was going along, I was like, okay, I see the thread. And I thought like, again, you did a great job of picking like an arc. Like there's a clear arc in these episodes, um, which I, I appreciate that. Well, cause, and especially when, when hearing, when seeing like what you guys do with the podcast and seeing, you know, the fact that you, you only watch these few episodes, like I wanted to do that. Cause frankly, and this, and, uh, Jack, I don't know how you feel about this, but I really didn't like the K pirate line of, uh, you know, with the on 10 seven, like I thought they were just kind of very underdeveloped um, the, overall. Yeah. I mean, that's the most anime anime aspect of this show for sure. Um, it definitely gets into the, gets a little too much mythology in the finale, um, which I didn't mind. I didn't mind that this, ep- I mean, you, you mentioned another anime um, that I really love Gurren Lagan. The finale to the show does have kind of a pre-Gurren Lagan vibe of like, you know, yeah. the big, the big friendship, you, power of friendship defeating the big enemy. Um, but I didn't find the leader of like the Anton Seven per- personally interesting. Um, Agreed. I kind of just, you know, I like the bigness of the fact that the finale had such a larger stakes than Bebop because that just was yet another fun difference. Um, and, you know, I love a good power of friendship ending. I think every single piece of media should have a power of friendship ending. Like, that's just how you do it. Um, that's, how, that's how everything should end. That's how everything that's, should end. Just the power that's how, conquers all. I mean, again, Gurren Lagan. I don't think we're going to do Gurren Lagan as a miniseries, unfortunately. I think I vetoed that because Evangelion's probably the only mecha show we would fully cover like that. But Gurren Lagan's finale um, is my personal favorite anime finale just because of how fucking big it is. You yeah, know I mean? it's, it's, it's huge. And, it, like, and, you know, uh, and also, the, uh, what was it? And Gurren Lagan and uh, and Evangelion were both done by the same company, and they're both like amazing. And I have box sets of both of them. And like, it's and I agree with you. Like, this ending was a little t- was like very kind of over the top, but because like we knew that the stakes were really big, um, mm-hmm. but because we never really built a connection with like the with like the K pirates, they were it it for me at least, especially rewatching it, I just felt kind of meh. Whereas again, that's why I chose these episodes, like because you know, with the McDougals, that was a menace. That was something very personal, and like for me, I love it when something affect when something affects me personally, and I become invested in it. Like I hate Harry. Harry's a piece of shit, but like he's inter- but he's so much more interesting to watch than like Hazanko. For sure, absolutely. Uh, what episode are we talking about? We haven't even talked about Asia, who I love. Um, and I want to get what, just to mention Asia. I want to mention her voice actress, who uh, who has a post voiceover career that I did not expect. Uh, Lenore Zahn. She is a former Canadian uh, actress, and then from 2009 until 2019 was a member of the Nova Scotia NDP party, uh, which is like our far left wing party in Canada. Uh, Jordan. Really? Member of Parliament. So she left uh, She left showbiz for politics. 
Oh, that that makes sense. I mean, uh, Cal Penn went to go. Uh, he uh, quit how quit the show House to oh, yeah. uh, be part of the Obama administration. So it does happen. It does have. I mean, he did like outreach, though. He didn't become like a congressperson. True. Although I guess you guys. I guess you guys had Reagan. I guess it's, so, it's sort of similar to maybe like Al Franken. Like he was like an yeah. now, and then he like goes on to like you know. I think was he. I think he was a senator. Um, he was a senator. Yeah, but yeah, uh, that's just, Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. Minnesota. Well, that's no, interesting. Uh, I like that's a cool. I mean, I guess especially in the '90s, right? Like, there's this element of like voiceovering acting was a bit of like the Wild West uh, in terms of just like you know the stability of it. It's kind of you know you're probably not getting paid the greatest, and so I guess you you know you have a good run, and then she's probably not thinking like, oh, this will be super viable long term. So you know she ended up going yeah. to no, uh, into politics, and she went into a you know went to a province here at least like Halifax that has no show business. Like there's not really like, they're not filming anything out there. They're not really doing much oh. out there. So, you know, she's going into like the Jeez. more you know normal life stuff, but she's it's a good thing to like, say, it's like, Oh, this is this thing I did. Like, that's for no, me. I, I, mean, always, dude, I think like, anyone who's ever got entertainment dreams, I'm always like, you should just try it and see what happens. Cause like, I, mean, I think the worst part would be to, is to like, regret it and be like i should have done it i should have tried no i mean malcolm she's like she was a highly successful voice actor she did a fuck ton of stuff she was the voice of rogue in x-men the animated series oh wow when she's, was her last credit i uh, i got one from 2011 or called word world uh that's uh television animated now oh and uh some film called brats desert jewels um, oh, and oh, she's got some newer uh, live action credits uh, from one from called St- uh, 2020 called Stage Mother. So now she's she's dude, man. She's got a fuck ton of credits. She's got more credits than, than a lot of people. That's for sure. So she's she's doing OK. She's doing OK. I'm sure she does <laughs> conventions, too, when she when she feels like it. Yeah. Oh, probably. Um, yeah. No, she she's been a lot. She's been in Serial Experiments Lane, which is not a show I've watched, but I know that's that's one I need to watch. Uh, she's done a lot. Um, when so, was yeah, her last very, credit? When's the last time she? Well, last last animated credit is like 2011, but then she also did like a live action like TV show or something recently. Um, oh, no, okay, so, so she she's doing it, man. She's doing it. I mean, she's also an older person now too, so that's probably why she's you know taking the gas off. Um, yeah. But no, uh, her her uh, role as Aisha is great. Aisha's a fun character. I, I love how Aisha is just like this lovable loser. Um, yep. Again, it's, it's not like Cowboy Bebop. Cowboy Bebop, you know, Faye gets introduced in one episode and then uh, joins the crew in the second one. Ed joins in her oh, at the end of uh, her their own episode. But no, like Aisha, they're Aisha and Suzaka. They are recurring, recurring, recurring until they finally join the crew when they just kind of decide to. And what's so cool about both of them is like both of them are in some ways like better than the protagonist. And I actually really love that about both of them. Um, like, again, what I said earlier, like uh, Suzuka, like in her in her premiere episode, which was an honorable mention of mine, like she slices a truck in half with a boken. Like, and I remember watching that as a kid and just going like, what the actual fuck? Like, that is insane. I have never. What is this stuff? And then like just Asia is a uh, uh is just incredibly strong and she just has just unbelievable stamina like this girl like you, like I would never ever want to try and like wrestle her or fight her or anything like that cuz I would get ripped in half literally she's like crazy yeah and also uh, we we haven't mentioned this show has aliens and like uh, uh, Asia is part of the Katal Katal 
and which I love. I love again. I love the alien names in this show. They're very, you know, <laughs> they're they're super sci-fi. It's like Buck Rogers or Flash Gordon style level sci-fi, which I really enjoy. Um, yeah, that's like I yeah I love that. Like it's yeah almost like fifties inspired. Where it's yeah, like oh yeah, you really put a lot of thought into this. Yeah, and it's just fun. Like, there's just like a lot of creativity involved, and they're just the the people behind the show are clearly just enjoying. Like, you know, we don't have any limits to what this can be. Really, we're just kind of putting whatever whatever fun stuff we're doing in there. Yeah, especially um, because like the, I feel like the advantage of you know uh, adapting such a short run like manga series is the fact that they can expand and sort of extrapolate you know from the source material. Like, they're not going to be burdened by it. It's not like One Piece. Where it's just like, oh, it's going on forever. And yeah. we're constantly and they have like, to adapt having to keep up. Like we can't really make any changes. It's like it's like here's what it is, and it's not perfect. So like we'll like take what we like from it and then go from it. And I think that's always the best adaptations of anything. Mm-hmm. When it's like when you're adapting like a book or a comic or a manga. So it's, it feels like always the best ones. Like, what elements really work? And it's like, are there things that we could change or improve? And sometimes that works. Sometimes you get like great adaptations. And then sometimes it's like, oh, you didn't need to make that change. But yeah, no, again, I, I just like the progression of the recruitment, how it just kind of feels natural. Again, like Aisha constantly is taking L's before. And you're just like, wait, is she like, is she a, a recurring antagonist or what? Before she finally does join the crew. So, you know, yeah, it's a fun structure. The way this show just kind of tells its story. Uh, what, what episodes have we talked about? We're kind of jumping around. Uh, we did. Um, so I did. We did I three of my right of the episodes I recommended. I think we've was, done three. So yeah, we could move on to like maybe four because yeah, you did. You did yeah. the extensive recap of the first three. I think we've covered yes. those. Uh, yeah. So basically, um, episode seventeen was my fourth, which was uh, between life and machine. Um, that is again, it focuses more on uh, oh, that's, on the McDougal brothers. Oh, the incel one. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So we did the already kind of talk about it. We already yeah, and like. That one, that one's more just about like the history of the galactic ley line and what that's about. And it's the overall arc. Uh, basically, it's the whole reason why why Melfina and why the outlaw star were created, and that's why Jean and the crew are getting you know antagonized by pirates and everything like that. That one I don't really need to go into a lot because it's more oh and I'll, and yeah and Harry's just an incel. He tries to seduce Melfina and he's a total dick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> There's some and, fun yeah. visual. That was just yeah that was the slap moment that like for me yep. I was like. I was like, what the hell? Like, I just like, not that it, that it took me off guard, but it was just that like, oh, this is what's happening. <laughs> yeah, but there's yeah. fun visuals. The fact that, you know, Henry is like a cyborg uh, or what What exactly is he, uh, Jordan? Just, just for he's, the sake of accuracy. So part of, so he's basically like, he was essentially like grown in a test tube. So like, he's kind of a bio Android and kind of not, he's kind of like an artificial life form. So like, that's part of his reasoning why he feels so close to Melfina. Cause he says things like we're the one and the same. We understand each other because like there's bits again, this is very nineties, but like you see them in like this cyberspace floating as like, they're as like, you know, like colored avatars. Like I think um Harry's blue and like, and Melfina's red. And, you know, they, they're the only ones who can really kind of interact with themselves, uh, can interact like in cyberspace, uh, except towards, except at the very end. But like, he says that we're kind of the same and like throughout, you know, we see Harry's appearances, like he starts out, you know, becoming more and more cybernetic. Um, like I think in episode 17, he has a, a bionic arm. Um, and then in the next episode I chose, like the next time we see him, um, he's in this giant, like freaking mech suit, um, which is just. Again, it's just weird. It kind of sticks to it, but it's that sense of like just overpowering. He's 
and it was kind of cool to watch that because it's um uh the juxtaposition is he's you know harry's almost trying to like improve himself so that he can become better for melfina so that he can basically make her love him make her come make her come with him and i thought that, that was really interesting watching that progression um whereas gene does change but he changes more on the inside whereas harry changes externally um and i thought that that was very like a really like fun thing and then uh the last episode that i chose which was grave of the dragon that's where they actually travel to a planet where they find information on the galactic ley line and they basically find out that essentially um it was this information from like thirty thousand years ago and um they uh and they find out more from this other character named uh uh Nguyen khan or Gwen Khan, if you're watching the the dub, that basically like there's just stuff that he basically just he w- helped create the outlaw star and Melfina, um, and he basically shuts her down. He basically like uh, tells Jean and the crew that um, he found the coordinates for the galactic ley line through this. Uh, there's a gentleman who knows this on a prison planet, and to get Jean and to get Jean to go, he basically uh, shuts down uh, Melfina with a phrase. Um, I think it was like you stole my mason plate or something like that, and uh, and that's kind of the cliffhanger. Um, which again kind of uh, talks shows that Melfina is like not quite human and is still kind of a tool from everyone uh, for everyone, which really sucks. And I really hated that. But like, because I hated Khan, I think he's just hysteric. I think he's like just weird and creepy, but he's so single minded in his stuff. And I know like Malcolm, you you didn't you only watch like these five episodes, but he's just he's so annoying. Like I understand he's so single minded in his pursuit of like ultimate knowledge. But he's so annoying in the way he does it that I just wanted to drop kick him. I hated him more than Harry, honestly. Yeah, I guess I like. Yeah, you have the the perspective of like having the the additional episodes uh, it, to help you with that. Because yeah, I mean, I would have. Yeah, I, obviously for for me right now, the pick for like you know the baddie that like gets under my skin is Harry here. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, again, I'm I've got the limited sample size. <laughs> yeah, it, and it's uh, and again, like I it's it's a very fascinating like kind of look with that last episode because you you see almost kind of like not you see this this progression of like you know the mcdougall brothers versus gene and the crew and and see kind of like how it ties in with the galactic ley line with this personal struggle and this you know sort of um triangle between um gene melfina and harry and gene kind of actually starting to give a shit about melfina and actually like trying to be an emotional character and actually trying to grow as that whereas Harry's just trying to exert more and more force. Um, and I personally am a sucker for a good triangle. Um, that's another reason why I chose these episodes because um, it, again, it just made it personal. It, it gave, it gave yeah. me, uh, uh, it, it allowed me to put more skin in the game. Well, it was so much, it was so satisfying at the end when like in the last episode we watched the, I guess it would be episode 23, 21, 21, 21. Episode 21 um, was the fact that like at the very end there, you know, Melfina does choose to go with Gene. And, like, it's kind of like, you know, Gene doesn't have, like, a hard pitch. Like, his pitch is just, like, we can leave you behind if you want, or you can come up with us. Like, it doesn't, you know, in some ways it doesn't really matter to me, but, you know, it seems like you might be happier coming up with us where, you know, we're outlaws and we're kind of more free, where, you know, if you go and take your chances with Harry, it's like Harry's just going to kind of assert the more control. And, like, you know, to be fair, it's like, you know, before, you know, the crew shows up, you know, Melfina was like, you know, kind of stuck on navigating this ship, right? It's mm-hmm. like, that's what she was only doing. She wasn't really, didn't really have a life before this. Like, at least that's my understanding of it. Like, her life was very limited. Yeah. And it, you know. and 
it's really cool because like they try it like in in other episodes like they try to like give her stuff to do but like really you know she was created specifically to basically integrate with the ship but with Jean, like she's able to like become more of a person and Jean sees her more as a person as opposed to harry who is just like well we're alike because because of what makes us different whereas Jean's like i just see you as a person um and yeah, i'm just gonna let you be your own person because there's been a, like in these episodes there's a lot of narration about like how like you know some of these like like the differences between like a human and sort of the ai which is like you know the human you know has like a a soul that will go beyond the vessel that they're currently in and that there's, you know, opportunities for an extended life. If like the soul goes into different bodies or like different parts of the universe, whereas, you know, an Android is sort of like, it does have the shell of a human. It does, you know, kind of have some of the emotional capacities of a human, but they're sort of stuck in the moment. Like they don't, you know, in theory, you know, they don't have access to the gods. I think is sort of like the line that's used. Although, like, yeah. it's, you know, kind of seems like, you know, with Malfina, it's sort of that evolution of like, oh, maybe that's like that narration is kind of incorrect. It's like that narration might be more of like an unreliable narrator of like, you know, what is it, you know, it's like every kind of Android sort of like, what does it mean to be human and like, can, you know, develop? And it's like, I think that one of the big signs is like Jean kind of welcoming her as just like, you're one of us. Like, you're, I'm not looking down upon you as like, a servant for the ship it's like no you're a crew member like you're you're in the gang yeah and and it was just so wonderful to watch that growth especially like you know ha having watched like all the episodes like to see that growth for for gene to just say hey if you just want to come with us that's okay like you can but you can go with him if you want that's not the gene that we saw earlier on in the series he was this like selfish dick who um was like scared of like flying off into space and now he's flying off on this planet to try and help out someone he cares about to find out, who, you know, what, you know, who she is and what she's and like where she came from. Um, and it's just like a really cool progression of, I think, of like of that relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it just, it's just it's a satisfying I, and like, at least for me, like of the five episode arc I watched, like it's a, almost a satisfying conclusion of it. Of ba basically going from like. You know that hell character who's i forget the name of the ai of the ship like that's not uh, gillian. gillian gillian uh like gillian you know that i yeah which i by the way big fan of gillian <laughs> we haven't talked enough <laughs> about gillian gillian great just a great character i mean i i don't know why i'm a i'm a sucker for a character like a hell you know from like 2001 like even though the hell is obviously a you know a, a bad guy like this, like AIs, like that are just like, oh, I run the ship. Like, you know, it's that there's a charm to it that I've always liked in just fiction. Um, it's actually the thing where I'm like, actually was conflicted with once like Vision became Vision, like Jarvis, you know, evolves into Vision, where I was like, I love Jarvis as just like running Tony Stark's house. <laughs> uh, I mean, I did love WandaVision, all that. It's, yeah, it's a sidebar. Uh, but yeah. With Gillian, it was like, I love just like, you know, you start off with the, you know, the reveal of like, oh, I guess you're the captain now. By the way, I, I have no uh, control of the navigation. <laughs> That's not my job. But it's the only thing I don't do. I control everything else. And just like the reveal of like, oh, um, uh, of Melfina and then, you know, kind of kind of growing from there. Like there's even just like fun things of like uh, there's a scene I guess I think it's also in episode four where Melfina's being chased and she like finally gets uh, rid of Harry and she like locks herself into the ship 
And I just loved like Gillian going in and just being like, ah, so there's a guy, your intruder is uh, almost in. Can you help me? Like, like, do you have any advice for me? Like your intruder is about to break in. <laughs> like I just, those moments were, I just, gosh, kiss to the chef. He, he kind of reminds me of a, I was going to say, when you talk about it like that, like um, he reminds me of a, there was these, there was this commercial where they did a Captain Obvious. I forget what the company was for. Oh, but literally, like Travelocity, I think. Travelocity, yeah. And literally his whole job was to just state the obvious and do nothing else, but just state the obvious. Like, oh, hey, there's an intruder coming in. Yeah, shouldn't we do something about that? We should do something about that. <laughs> pause, pause, pause. Oh, I guess I'm going to go do it then. Like, not you. Thanks, Gilliam, you know. I like I love I love your like how much you love Gilliam because now I now I need to rewatch a couple episodes with with that in mind because I always thought of Gilliam as this kind of like just boring straight character but I love how I love how you took him and I love how you how um how you recontextualized him for me yeah it's it was for me it was just like the thing that like came out of just like yeah I could see it like being boring on some levels but like yeah for whatever reason it's like I don't know it's that suckerness of just like oh yeah he is saying the obvious but it's like I want that from like what is essentially an AI system, right? Like the AI system shouldn't be super clever. It shouldn't be like super thoughtful. It's just like, should just be there to be like, I, Hey, I, I'm doing my job. No one's listening to me. Like my, my job is what's happening. Like you're not listening to me. Like, please, please, you know, listen to me, you know, someone's breaking in, but uh, you know, you know, I think, I don't know. I just had a, a soft spot for that character. And maybe it was also the voice acting. I felt like the, uh, Peter uh, Spillos, um, who did the voice, like the the dub voice, I thought did a great job. Uh, I agree. Of making it making a character that could have easily been like, as you said, at least in my opinion, someone who's just like in the background. You're just like, oh, it's just this kind of element to the show, and like giving it some life. And it was it was it was cool because I I know like uh like Jack you and I talked about a lot of like uh about about some of the side characters because I I never actually got to hear your five episodes because I was like super curious because I guess like we chose completely different episodes. I'd have to look up the episode list. I I don't necessarily have a five, but I mean, listen, my I think my favorite episode in the series was number fifteen, the one we talked yeah, about the, the duel. Uh, I think the hot spring one uh, was really fun. The race was really fun. Um, yeah. There's probably some others, but again, I watched the show in like the span of two weeks, so it's yeah. like starting to, to get a blur. But again, like I listen, the 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 reason why I picked this show when you gave me your list of what you wanted to cover was again, we have cow- we have covered Cowboy Bebop somewhat recently on this podcast. It's still very fresh, so of course, comparing these two is fun, and also you know, it's not that clearly as if you've been listening to this conversation the past you know uh, hour and a half, it's been already. You know, we're not just saying, oh, this is in pale comparison to Bebop. Like, no, if you love Cowboy Bebop and you want something that's like a little bit different, but in still a very fun way, like this is this is fucking great. Yeah. And it's and it's really. Yeah. And it's with with Outlaw, it, with Outlaw Star, like it, I think it did. I think it got overshown a bit by Cowboy Bebop. Where, and, you know, so a lot more people know a lot about it. Don't get me wrong. Like, I love Cowboy Bebop. Um, I, I was in jazz band in high school. Um, I, uh, uh, I play like jazz guitar, like, th- so the music for me is, and ca- on, a for, uh, Cowboy Bebop is incredible, but like Outlaw Star also has like some fucking bitchin' like, like, uh, soundtracks like that in the intro for the episodes for me, I don't know why, but most anime that I watch, um, I usually, I usually will like, after I've listened to it a few times, I'll usually skip it. 
but like this outlaw star every single episode i watched and i re uh when re-binging it in preparation for this i listened to the opening theme song every single time because for me it's just that good and i just found myself just singing along to it because it's just like oh it it really sets the tone for it um much in the same way that cow that cowboy bebop does and i think a lot of people who love cowboy bebop should check this out because it's really beautiful it's it's very it's a bit different but it's similar enough where i think you'll really appreciate it and it kind of answers to me at least something that uh the more sci the more sci-fi fantastical alien elements um that cowboy bebop might have lacked yeah i agree with that first of all with the the opening credits I, for whatever reason I, I don't know why it just is maybe this is just me but like the singer uh of that the opening credits for whatever reason had like a cadence that reminded me of brandon yuri the lead singer of panic at the disco like oh, i don't really? know why i was just like i could i almost felt like he could do a cover of the song like i think like an english version of it and like it would sound pretty close i don't know why yeah. that was just like a me thing i've just like pointed it i was like what like the first time i heard it and like i did actually listen to the song like every time i watched um because it was it was pretty catchy like yeah, you know, I, even though I, you know, I don't know the words, <laughs> I was just like the instrumentals at least for me were like, okay, and yeah, it gives it a tone of like this is what this is, uh, and like that's the one thing I think also from this podcast is discovering like a lot of the like really great music that's been produced for a lot of these shows that I just wouldn't have been exposed to, yeah, uh, otherwise. <laughs> The intro song fucking slaps. I mean, I I mean, when we were watching these episodes, I unfortunately <laughs> had to skip the intro because um, it was just getting a little close to time. But it is part of my rotation. Um, yeah, I think it's like a. Uh, I think I might actually prefer it over Tank, the uh, the Cowboy Bebop theme. Ooh, uh, it's just a fucking. It's a fu you know, it's just a fun fucking song. Um, yeah, I don't know. I man. Agree with that. This again, like that's the thing. I mean, now now I'm starting to repeat myself, but that's the thing. The Cowboy Bebop is one of my favorite shows of all time. It's probably my favorite anime of all time. But I think the the things I would call not necessarily weaknesses of Cowboy Bebop, but the things where I'm like, you know, the, the show could have done this differently. I think Out Lost Star does those, if you know what I mean. Yeah, the, um, I went to uh, Anime Boston over 10 years ago and it was a panel that i actually i never got the chance to go to but i remember the title of it because it always stuck with me and it says uh cowboy bebop the american ambassador of anime and whenever anybody comes to me and asks hey i want to get more involved in anime um what should i look like you know beyond like you know my hero academia now not at the dragon ball z what should i look at and i always say cowboy bebop and then if they like Cowboy Bebop, they say, hey, I really like that. What else should I look at? And Outlaw Star is like almost inevitably one of the top ones that I tell that I tell people because it's not quite I th and I think part of the reason with Outlaw Star is like my personal opinion is that it's not quite mainstream enough where people can get into it, but it's also accessible enough once you once you're exposed to a little bit more uh, uh, a niche anime, if you will. And it's just, it's a, cause it's great soundtrack, like really cool characters, fantastic animation. I still think that like nineties, like nineties animation anime is some of the best out there period bar none full stop. Um, and just like a really cool world. Like they had just so much fun doing this. The fun, I mean, you know, I, I did watch two episodes of Angel Links. It's, it's much, much hornier, but in a more uncomfortable way, given the, uh, the character <laughs> is 16 years old uh and they really overdo it on the breast physics for her oof um 
So I mean, I'm not sure if I'm giving. I mean, the two episodes I watched of Angel Links, I'm not sure how I feel about those. Um, but there is more. There is definitely more, as opposed to Cowboy Bebop, which had a movie and a and a live action show. Um, yeah. So and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why I was kind of like eh, Angel Links, because I know you and I were talking about. It, I went. Uh, I I looked it up again. I didn't have time to watch any episodes. Um, but I have heard similar things about it. Um. Yes. Yeah, Angel Links is yeah, Angel Links is Angel Links. It's definitely mm-hmm. more on the horny side. I mean, again, like if you think, you know, if people, if Malcolm, if you were to watch the the Hot Spring episode of this show and think that's horny, it's like no, Angel Links is like more unnecessarily horny, and it doesn't even need a Hot Springs episode to do so. Yeah. yeah. It- Trust me, it's much hornier. <laughs> yeah. Um, and of course, you know, Japan with, you know, the fact that age of consent there is 14. So 16-year-old protagonists are fair, are, are fair game on in those Yeah, shows. yeah. Uh, and it's, yeah, and like, and I think that's part, I, again, I think that's, because uh, I know with, um, with uh, the Hot Springs episode for, for Outlaw Star, like, it never aired, I, I don't think it aired here until like 2018, I think. Um, cause it, in the original run, it never, sh- it really never showed up. I think it was only when they put it like at like very, very late at night, um, was when they actually put it on. And I think some of it is, and you know, I think part of it was, okay, we can finally do this. But I think also, um, people are realizing that, you know, that we, that, um, that kids are being exposed to a lot of things a lot sooner. And, um, I think what's really cool about something like, you know, Outlaw Star is that, um, it, it introduces these really lofty concepts um, and it introduces these very, these kind of nuanced characters, both with both their, uh, both their, their uh, positive attributes and their negative attributes and shows that, you know, you can still create a show because, you know, everyone is, is human and the world isn't so, isn't always like super shiny and really great as, you know, as the past couple of years have shown us. Um, but it's, it's really, really nice to see that, um, that, that they understand at least like a lot of an- a lot of the people producing anime they understand that about us and you see anime's influence in a lot of other mediums uh in a lot of other shows out here the the obvious one that comes to mind for me is avatar uh the last airbender because you had these very nuanced characters that delve into some really deep stuff and really without anime like outlaw star i don't think that st- that things like that would have been possible um, and it's really kind of changed and shifted, I think, our, our cult- uh, kind of shifted our, our cultural focus to, oh, you know, animation is an art form. Um, and a lot of people are really understanding that now. And I think it's I think it's like incredible. And I'm glad so many people are coming back to watching older shows, older shows of anime and analyzing them like you guys do on this podcast, because I think it's just really fascinating because it shows why we fell in love with it in the first place. Um because it it ignited our imaginations it allowed us to really grow and think about complex complex uh things uh things and the world at large while watching you know ships with arms battle each other and and a girl with cat ears turn into like a leopard and like a gr- and like a bio android operate a ship um and it's just really cool in those moments like for me just really just always really stuck with me yeah we did- Sorry, I just realized you're talking about leopards. We didn't even talk about those. Um, uh, what is it, Ronald's uh, like panther AI robots? Oh, body, oh, yeah, panther bodyguards. Yeah, those panther bodyguards, which were cool as hell. Like, I'm going to yeah. quote Jack here. That shit slapped. 
Bro, um, I, I'm, I'm so glad. It's funny. I was about to get. In, I was about to move us to to our favorite segment, but I think that there's still quite a bit more I need to bring up before um we put that to an end because um Jordan, uh, you did pick these five wonderful episodes, but my favorite character in the show and who whom would have been my speed wagon had he made it into these? Uh, Fred Lowe is not present in these episodes at all. He is not. Um, he is a very interesting character because, like, I. In watching, rewatching them, he's such a fascinating side character. But I feel like, in some ways, and especially kind of in a in a in the in in the context now where we are, I think more aware of LGBTQ characters and everything like that. Yeah. I feel like he was a bit stereotypical. Um, a bit, but he's handled in like a pretty nice way. I mean, yeah. I I feel like he like as far as like the the overall plot, like he was like not like essential to it and i think that's mm. that was part of his detriment for me as for me as a character like i know so one of the episodes that i mentioned as an honorable mention was um number 18 the strongest woman in the universe and that's, yes, that's a like, good one that's a yeah good one. it's it's a great one and it really showcases asia and it does have a really couple nice shining moments for fred so like basically um uh fred wants gene to enter into this tournament of like the world of uh, the world's strongest uh, man and woman but specifically the female division because there's a woman there who's won it four times in a row and he had promised and fred had promised this woman if she wins five times in a row um she uh he, uh, he will marry her and he doesn't want to do that um and uh so gene does that he gets his ass kicked to, kicked by this woman in the first round which is hysterical um uh which was really funny watching that because he's kind of being a chauvinistic pig and then she just like just clobbers the shit out of him and i loved and i love that but then you find out later on that um, Asia, who was not allowed to uh, uh, not allowed to participate because Katarl Katarl have been banned because the last time that happened, Katarl Katarl ended up killing a bunch of people. It was great. Um, she ends up like basically kidnapping someone and becoming the uh, the uh, becoming that character. I think it was Firecat. Yeah, Firecat. And, like, and I and I loved I loved Asia's development in that episode because it for me it was an Asia episode with a lot of like strong like Fred undertones. Um, and like, I I like Fred. I just don't think he's like essential to the plot. Other than other than like, oh, Gene, you running out of money? Here, let me give you some, and let me make you uncomfortable. Um, but his character was very fat. His character was like very interesting to me. I would have loved to have seen more of him. I think throughout the series, I saw him uh, briefly in the uh, ep- Angel Link's uh, premiere episode, and then I learned that. Uh, unfortunately, that's his only appearance, so he doesn't even get a big role in Angel Links, which makes me oh, sad. sad. Which I know he, I, Angel Links does not, from my understanding, just from what I read, um, it does not take advantage of. I mean, again, it's a spinoff. You should be able to have side characters appear in there, or you know, whatever the fuck you're doing. Um, yeah, you didn't pick the a- Angel Links tie in episode two either, um, which isn't like maybe the best one, but it's still interesting because it ties into that whole thing. Yeah. yeah. There's really some world building going Angel on. Links is. Like you, you two have been talking about it, and I still don't quite know what it's on. It's all on it YouTube. It's all on YouTube. God bless. No, no, uh, I'm not about where it is. I'm talking <laughs> about what it is <laughs> as a, as I don't a know. It's, So it's just like, a spin-off about which character. Uh oh. some organization that appears in one episode. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, okay. uh was it Mayfon? Yeah, let me let me I think it's Mayfong, yeah. Yeah, and she basically is a uh, she basically like becomes like a head of like a corporation or something, and she uh, for for um and basically just uh, becomes like and kind of learns more about her family secrets and stuff like that. Um, 
yeah, that's that's basically all I know about it. I didn't see any episodes, so okay. Yeah, it's a, it's its own kind of thing. It's set in the same world, and like I said, it's much hornier and seems to be seems to yeah. I don't know. Again, Outlaw Star, Outlaw Star is Outlaw Star. You're good with the Outlaw Star if you just want to watch that. Yeah, it's a gr- it's a great show. And again, like if people want to get more into anime, it's like definitely it's definitely like one of the top ones that I recommend people I recommend for people because it's just it's fun. It's great. It's got good characters. The music slaps um, and like it's just it's just fun. It's just a fun. It's a very fun show. Um, like, uh, was, yeah, I can tell we're repeating ourselves. So I think now is the perfect time to get to our favorite segments. Um, Sasha, cue the music. Speed wagon, 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 speed wagon. Allow me to elucidate ya. The name is Robert EO Speedwagon. Uh, so for those just joining in, if this is your first time, the Speedwagon is our favorite supporting character of this batch of episodes. Um, I will go first, as always, or most of the time. I think Malcolm said sometimes I don't always go the first time. But as I do most of the time, my speed wagon is uh, Shimi. I think Shimi is a dope fucking antagonist. He's, you know, self-contained. He does get to survive his confrontation uh, with Gene, but he still puts Gene through the paces and also defeats uh, the rest of the crew. He's a dope dude. Again, you know, he kind of reminds... you know, Gene kind of reminds him of himself. I think, yeah, Shimi is just a dope um, one-off antagonist for the show. And, you know, I it, it's comparable to the Cowboy Bebop episodes uh, that we really liked, Malcolm, where it was like Spike versus uh, uh, Mad Perot or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It's that type of, you know, I love I love a good duel episode, you know? Uh, I think I kind of, I said it a little earlier. Uh... I but I I'm gonna just repeat it just uh you know just for uh, levity's sake um <laughs> but uh yeah I'm mean, I, it's Gillian I think just like he's just a good fun character like um at least in my eyes um I, I like like I said it's just like even the fact that his name is Gilliam uh, like just I don't know why I just loved it like I'm just like I just in my own head canon I'm going like oh they named him. Gilliam, like after Terry Gilliam, the director, and just like I don't know, some for in some way, I feel like Terry Gilliam back in the '90s would have considered trying to direct some sort of crazy live action version of Outlaw Star. So it was only fitting. So yeah, I'm gonna go with him. Just a fun AI character, uh, and then just because there wasn't like as many options, like there was the guy who like blew himself up and was like. You know, I don't want to be an ugly corpse and then like blows himself up, but I forgot what his name was. Um, but I like that line. That was a that was a fantastic uh, way to end your lifeline. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So uh, uh, my speed wagon is a. Uh, um, I really like uh, Hilda. Um, both because uh, Hot Ice Hilda, she is in the in episodes three and four, but she's um, because of her. Uh, this whole show kind of started. She's the catalyst for everything. But not only that, but she um, is a very influential character throughout the rest of the series. Uh, she takes no guff. Um, she is a very strong female character, which I think is um, something that at the time we didn't see as much of. Um, and uh, she really uh, inspire. She really like inspires Jean and 
uh, Jean and Jim and even Melfina to a certain extent to basically become their own people and to pursue their dreams. Um, and she's willing to sacrifice herself in order to, in order for that to happen. Um, and I just thought she was just just effing badass of a character um because even i know that i think like uh in a couple of the earlier episodes like it's it's hinted that she uh that hilda and Jean like do sleep together but like even still i'm like oh no she's in complete control the whole time like she basically is almost like a like a, a teacher to to Jean, and i and i loved and i love that and she ends up inspiring him even long after she's passed away uh all right let's do it final thoughts on outlaw star i'll go first um yeah, the show's really interesting. I'm glad I finally got around to it. it it's been one of those um, shows I haven't seen until now, but, you know, it's always been on the list. And, yeah, I appreciated for, you know, how it remind me, reminded me of Bebop and also did things I wish Bebop could have done. And, again, uh, the finale, even though I, I was not super invested in the mythology behind the, the, uh, the Seven or whatever or the main antagonist, I still enjoy a good uh, Gurren Lagann-style Power of Friendship finale. Um, those are always fun. And every show, even if it's not necessary, even if it doesn't make a ton of sense, every single piece of media uh, should end with the Power of Friendship ending. <laughs> it's just, it makes me feel good. In fact, I'm, I'm probably going to watch the, the big uh, finish to Gurren Lagann right now after the end of this podcast. Yeah. Oh, that's a great thing to do. It's, everyone should do it. Everyone. I mean, again... <laughs> I yeah, know. Just, really, just the, yeah, there's those we're, certain like things just be like a saving Private Ryan at the end. It's like, and it was all about the friends we made along the way. You just like all the, <laughs> all, the dead, all the dead soldiers oh, come back to life and inspire uh, Tom Hanks and um, <laughs> Matt Damon and be like, "You can do it! You can do it!" And then they they defeat the Germans and they say, "Yeah!" And then they all fade away. I mean, um, I know for one thing, the creator of Samurai Jack loved Gurren Lagann because he stole the ending for the final uh, episode of Samurai Jack. So yep, he did. Uh, he just straight up rips it off. I'm like, oh wow. Well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Good for yeah. you. I love Gendy Tarkovsky, but he 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 really was like, okay, not enough people have seen Gurren Lagann. I can just take that ending and put it in my. He does show. very much wear his inspiration on his sleeve and is not ashamed about it at all. No. Hey, more people should watch Gurren Lagann, so I'm glad he was a viewer of that. Right. Exactly. Um, Malcolm, your final thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, this wasn't for me, like, my favorite show we've covered, um, but I do appreciate, like, the elements. Like, I don't know, I'm a little bit of a sucker for uh, Space Pirates. Uh, I do think, uh, you know, it's a fun, you know, place to mine, you know, just, just stories. Uh, it's a funny because I've been watching like um, what's sorry um, let me get oh our flag means death so I've been watching our flag means death so I have been in a bit of a pirate mood um, so this is like a bit up my alley right now and uh, but I I will say like I know we made a bunch of comparisons to like this and Cowboy Bebop and I don't know if those are necessarily fair like, they do come out around the same time and I don't think either of them were like ripping each other off like. Clearly, the development paths were parallel. Uh, but I do think, like, if you, you know, don't watch this because you want to, like, spike Cowboy Bebop. I say, like, watch this because it's like, oh, this is something similar. It's in that similar world. And you might find enjoyment like I did of just like, oh, and we're kind of back to, like, a world that, you know, looks familiar. So, and that's how kind of how I felt. And, you know, like you said, Jack, it's all about the friends we made along the way. <laughs> Uh, this was really fun to revisit the show, uh, um, 
uh, older, uh, as an older, somewhat maybe kind of wiser me, uh, because this was one of the big anime shows that I remember growing up with. I remember it being uh, very influential. And watching it again, I see, you know, some of the influences that they had, uh, the core themes um, in my life, which is pursue your dreams. Um, you know, uh, it's all about the friends we find along the way and and uh, being true to yourself. And like, I think that it's amazing to see that something that is over 20 years old still has like an intro song and a soundtrack that still just fucking slaps. Um, and that just has such fun characters um, and such an interest and like an interesting world um i wish that they had done more with the cave pirates i thought uh i felt like they were a little more secondary than they should have been but uh overall i think it's a great show it's a fun compliment to uh other shows of its era including cowboy bebop and uh more people should give it the love that it deserves so that means time for uh plugs and where can people find you jordan uh, yes, yeah, so you can find me all across the social media um, at J Mitchell Love. Uh, so uh, it's uh, J M I T C H E L L L O V E. Um, I'm pretty active on Instagram uh, and Twitter. Uh, I'm decently active on TikTok sometimes. Uh, I do come out with a couple with a couple projects. Uh, I just wrapped a season two of a show called uh, The Fortnite, which is a web series. Um, it's not spelled like the game. Um, night is spelled correctly uh we just finished season two and i think we're at over seven million views oh amazing um, yeah yeah it's really cool i play one of the re- i play a recurring character in season two um and it's basically about uh two uh peyton and luca who um and their relationship um over a 10-year span and um i am also doing uh, a couple of uh podcasts as well um i'm doing a uh, stripper squad right now we actually just did oh my lord we have a ton of episodes out on functional 101 um i play a uh, i play a stripper an older stripper named brandy and if you have never heard of the of uh marge's sisters on the simpsons i essentially sound like that the whole time <laughs> yeah that's good um, damn that's good man that's good it. voice acting <laughs> Uh, thank you, and uh, I'm work, uh, and I'm also doing a couple uh, uh, podcasts as well with uh, a Bad Feeling Horror podcast, um, where they do uh, different sort of horror short stories. Um, one of uh, one episode is out where I play a, a vampire looking for love, and uh, I'm gonna be, and another one's gonna be coming out uh, in I think mid mid April, end of April, I think. So yeah, amazing. We'll have all a bunch all of those links down in the show notes. Uh... Um, but no, that's fucking great. And yeah, you can find me, uh, folks at Jack is Jack on Instagram and only real Jack M on Twitter. Malcolm, what's your Twitter situation? Uh. I, I've been retweeting. I've been retweeting. Okay. About, I'm getting. I'm getting back into the swing of things on Twitter. Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at Malcolm R J McLeod. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at, at Malcolm R J McLeod. Uh, it's been reactivated. I'm back. <laughs> Get ready. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah. If you enjoyed this, uh, yeah, please uh, feel free to give us some stars on what, Apple or Spotify or wherever you're listening to this too. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, uh, you can follow the podcast at Is This Anime Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we're a little, admittedly, we're a little more active on uh, Instagram than we are on Twitter for <laughs> call, yeah. the podcast. Um, but we're we're there. We're still present on you know. The, both platforms so yeah i mean it really helps um you know viewers uh, have helped guide the show in the past we've done uh episodes based on uh, viewer suggestions so yeah keep uh keep suggesting things uh it really does help and curate the show uh anyways uh, i think that about wraps it up does anyone have any last like m- final like 
thoughts before uh, we call this uh, a day for Outlaw Star? I'm hungry. <laughs> this is super fun, and I'm going to go maybe make some coffee. All right, perfect. <laughs> uh, I think that's a, that's a good way to wrap it up. Uh, and remember, it's all about the friends we made along the way, because holy shit, that shit slaps. Bye. <laughs> L- later, Power Bottoms. Bye.